Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Louis Friedberg. John Fensterwald is away this week. We'll take a look at the decision this week by the California State University to postpone making a formal decision on its proposal to require an additional year of quantitative reasoning for admission to the university. We'll be talking with Chancellor Tim White to find out exactly where things stand with the proposal. And then we'll take a deeper dive to look at how one CSU campus is dealing with multiple challenges they'll be facing in the new decade. We'll hear from the new president of San Francisco State University, Lynn Mahoney. But first, let's hear from Chancellor White about CSU's proposal to add the quantitative reasoning requirement. Many people, including myself, have loosely described this as a fourth year of math, but Chancellor White chastised me for not making the distinction, as you will hear, and clarified some things that many people, including myself, are confused about as to exactly where things stand with the proposal. Welcome, Chancellor White. Nice to be with you, Lewis. So what actually happened this week? You've postponed taking a formal decision, but what kind of decision have you postponed and how much of a postponement are we talking about? So the change that has happened this last week is really to stay on task to have the final implementation begin in the year 2027. We're going to ask the board to endorse that uh, at their board meeting next week, but also to not do the official administrative Title V change, uh, which makes it a formal requirement, until 2022. And between now and then, over the next 15 months or so, we will do a third-party analysis of the proposal to determine its impact on students from all walks of life. And any any things that come up in that analysis, we will then find solutions for, so we are able to support all of our students to be better prepared when they come to the university. So thank you for clarifying that, but just give us a couple of examples of what a quantitative reasoning course might be then. It could be a course in personal finance. It could be a course in science. It could be a course in technology. It could be a course in mathematics above algebra two could be a computer science class or a coding class. So it's not mathematics. And I think that's one of the reasons people got concerned is, oh my gosh, my kid hates math and struggles at it. I don't want this to get in the way. When in fact, it's a bold change to help prepare students to actually enter the university better prepared. Does this mean you recommend four years of math and then another quantitative reasoning course? No, no. We only require three years of mathematics today. And we're not changing that requirement. The change in the, in the requirement will be by the year of 2027 is to have four years that includes three years of mathematics and one year of quantitative reasoning. There's quite a menu of classes that are available, literally hundreds across California, that we would accept as a quantitative reasoning course. Is it possible that this study or report could come up with information that could lead to the board of trustees deciding not to go ahead with this? The study will be authentic and in its outcome will be what what the investigators discover. And from that, the CSU and the board of trustees will have a chance to say if they identify shortcomings, are they serious or not? And are there ways to mitigate any shortcomings? And if so, what is that and how do we go about doing that? But, you know, the benefits of the proposal are also going to be part of the study. So uh, this is all related to really helping uh, equity at the authentic 
point in, that is to have students who are willing to do the work and have the aptitude to do so to be able to enter these careers of the future that are more lucrative, use more quantitative aspects in them, and end up having a career or multiple jobs in those areas that serves them well for a, for a lifetime. At the same time, there has been a remarkable amount of opposition to this, uh, including from people who really are equity is kind of their number one issue. Are you at all concerned that by postponing a formal decision on this, this might actually open the door to more opposition, more organizing against this proposal? No, not at all. You know, we've been working on this for over three years. It's not just something we dreamed up a, a week or so ago and decided to put in front of the board. We have systematically had hearings that the CSU has hosted. We've met with education groups. We've met with elected leaders. We've had hearings in Sacramento, and we've listened to the input and some of it, you know, has been helpful, and we've made adjustments to strengthen for the benefit of our students. Some of it has been, has not been based in fact or has been based in misinformation, and we pointed out what the data suggests uh, more deeply that this is actually going to help students succeed. I, I believe firmly it will lead to more opportunities for students and not less opportunities. I did have to ask you about how this would align or not align with what UC, the University of California. UC does not require that fourth year of math. So do you think this will also encourage or nudge UC in this direction as well? Any concerns that there would be different requirements? Well, let's be clear, Lewis. This is not a fourth year of math. Oh, yes. And, and, okay. <laughs> and you Thank and others you. keep saying that, which perpetuates something that just is not based in fact. Point well taken, yes. point yeah. well taken. And, Thanks for reminding and, me. And uh, to the extent that you know the University of California makes any adjustments in its admissions requirements is work for them to decide going forward. So many of our students and their students already take so many more credits in the areas of you know, 91, 92, 93% of the Cal State students today are taking four years. So we're only talking about a smaller percentage for us of students who have only three years of quantitative reasoning and mathematics in their portfolio when they come in. At the UC, I think it's something closer to 98 or 99% actually have four years. So I think it's probably gonna have less impact on their uh, policy making going forward than it does for us. But I'm very interested in making sure these students that, that we have, while not large in number, have the opportunity to be successful when they get here. And that doesn't mean just getting in and then struggling. It means getting in with your shoulders back and your head in the game and taking off in a, in a technical major that interests you and not only finishing that major with a degree, but then going on and having a very lucrative career. And, and goodness knows California needs to have more students working in those areas for our economy going forward in the years and decades ahead. What is the timeline? I mean, the projection is if this all happens according to the current plan, this would apply to the students who would be applying in 2027. Is that correct? That is correct. And it will not occur before the fall of 2027. So I think the word to families and students today who are in middle school is know that this is coming your way. Know that it's in your best interests. And know that when you get to high school, that as you go through and take the a to G requirements. You know, today, there's 15 credits required in A to G, but our students on average take six more than that, take 21 A to G credits. So they don't have to take an extra class 
but they should just make sure one of those six credits beyond the 15 minimum is in an area that we judge to be quantitative reasoning. And we will have at our website the list of courses at schools and in school districts that qualify. Well, thank you so much. We've been talking with Chancellor Tim White of the California State University System. This has been really informative. I think you really helped clarify the current situation about the fourth-year requirement for quantitative reasoning as opposed to mathematics. Thanks for talking with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Of course, the proposal to require a fourth year of quantitative reasoning as a requirement for admission has attracted the most controversy at CSU over the last few months, but lots of other things going on at CSU. One of them is the Graduation 2025 initiative to bump up graduation rates both for students who graduate in four years and those who graduate in six years, which is the majority of students who attend CSU. The four-year graduation rate at one college, San Francisco State, last year was 24.1%. That's a slight dip from the year before. And the six-year rate rose a point and a half to 56.5%. So, as you can hear, lots of room for improvement there. CSU has set a goal to increase those numbers to 33% for a four-year graduation rate. That's up from the 24.1% I just mentioned for last year and to get it up to 69% for the six-year rate. We sat down with Lynn Mahoney. She is the new president at San Francisco State University. She started her tenure last July, and I asked her what the campus is doing to bump up those graduation rates. The single most important thing we do at the CSU is provide students with with degrees, with degrees that are, provide upward mobility for themselves, for their families. Uh, we provide economic growth for the region. So we take improving the graduation rates, all of them, very seriously. We've had actually great success with the transfer rate, and we're close to achieving those goals. The heaviest lift for us uh, is... You're talking about the transfer rate from community colleges. So the two- and four-year graduation rate for transfer students. The heaviest lift and the most important one is helping our high school admit, students admitted directly from high school graduate in four years. So at San Francisco State, we've implemented a mandatory freshman seminar for all of the students. We have about a quarter or more living in housing. Let me just ask you about this seminar. Now, what, was the, what does that consist of, and what was the thinking behind that? So it's an opportunity for students to meet in a cohort, get to know each other, form a bond, form a connection with a faculty member, and then the course focuses on their academic preparation, bonding with the university, knowing how to navigate the university, developing the kind of skills they'll need to succeed and succeed quickly. And what is the thinking behind that? It's kind of like a first impression is the most important impression. So the, what they accomplish in their first year, the ability to make friends, make connections, uh, earn 30 units or more in the first year, all of those things are indicators for success. And so the more that we can embed that in the first year, the more that we'll retain and we'll graduate in four years. And what about advising? I understand that you are making some significant changes on that front. Like many universities, we are working hard to improve advising from the first year through graduation. But what we've learned, modeled on what other campuses have done, is that students do best with professional advisors in the first year. 
people for whom this is their full-time job. And so starting in fall of 2020, our freshmen will all be advised by professional advisors in a case management approach. And those advisors will stick with them until they're settled into majors with major and faculty advisors. Presumably you're gonna to have to hire these people and pay them. I mean, where do the resources come to do that? So we've been fortunate over the last couple of years, the state legislature has given the CSU funding specifically for the graduation initiative. That has been inordinately helpful and that's been enabled us to offer more sections of classes and to hire more professional advisors so some of these are advisors we already have but they're spread out they're in the colleges they're in departments and centralizing them to then work with the colleges uh, will be helpful and then in addition we found grant support there have been a lot of foundations who are very interested in helping us achieve our goals Anything else? So we've talked about the first year seminar, we talked about the advising. Uh, the other critical issue, and this is San Francisco State specific, is the cost of housing in the city. Uh, the average one bedroom, I think, is now up to 3750 3750 for a one bedroom apartment. And so providing more on-campus housing for students uh, is really is a big goal. So we have a new residence hall opening in the fall of 20, and we have plans for a very large residence hall opening 2023 or so. Now that's only going to help on the margins because most of your students don't live on campus or near campus, right? Most students are commuting here. Well, so some of our students live at home and those students actually we have a very high success rate with because cost of living has been steady for them. So we're actually, all we can do is really nibble at the margins. So we'll build more student housing. We actually have apartment complexes we own that house faculty and staff as well as students. And then we're looking at new partnerships. So we've been looking at a company that has housing developments in San Francisco to see about renting some housing through them. And we've been actually talking to some of our UC colleagues about sharing some of their space as well. So we're just doing the best we can, like everyone in the area, to try and find accessible housing for students. Now, I understand that San Francisco State has capacity to take more students, but it appears that the cost of housing are scaring a lot of students off. Yeah, there, and, and this is true for our partners in the San Francisco Unified School District and at City College. The cost of living in this city has just gotten prohibitive. So we just keep trying to find innovative solutions, but we do have the capacity to serve students, to, to enroll more students. So if we can again keep the pressure on building more housing, we can get students from a little further afield than San Francisco to join us. But one of our other big goals here is to actually get more students from San Francisco Unified and City College to San Francisco State. So I'm working with uh, Chancellor Rocha and with Superintendent Matthews to reinvigorate the San Francisco Promise. So looking at opportunities for enrolling more local students. How, what are the obstacles that we may have placed in that way? How can we make transfer more seamless and get more of our local students to get to, into state? And then we don't have a housing Issue. And I just have to say, I mean, you are new to San Francisco, but I mean, you obviously knew that this was going to be a major issue. But this must be frustrating to you because these you're dealing with deeper structural yeah. issues that you have no control over. Yeah, and I haven't even thrown in the kind of frustration the whole city has with the growing economic inequality in the city. Right, it's a city of extremes, a homelessness to Teslas. And so, uh, and that takes a toll also on the campus morale. So yeah, I'm used to having campus problems to solve, but now I just have to, again, keep whittling away at the bigger issues like housing and just do the best we can for our students. In terms of recruiting faculty, oh. to what extent is that also an issue? It's an enormous issue, uh, faculty and staff. 
And so, again, I, I think I mentioned we own apartment complexes in the area close to Stonestown and close to Park Merced. And so we're trying to house our own faculty and staff. And we have students living in those areas, too. So if we could also build more housing and get the students out of those apartments, we could have more apartments for faculty and staff. But it is an enormous issue. And this is not just us. It's San Francisco Unified Teachers. It's firefighters. It's first responders. It's nurses. I mean, it's a problem for the whole city. Just want to ask you about the core of the academic experience, quality. Mm -hmm. How much of a priority and a concern is that of yours? Clearly, to attract students and keep them, quality is essential. Yes. So we are extremely fortunate. Despite the cost of living in San Francisco, we have attracted now and over the years a really world-class faculty. Uh, not a day goes by where I don't get two or three different um, emails about accolades that our faculty have received. But we, our academic programs go through a vigorous academic review process. Every few years they do a self-study, we bring in an external review team, and we ensure that our academic programs are as strong as they can be, but we also use it as an opportunity to identify any areas that we could make them stronger in. So we're constantly paying attention to academic quality and the rigor of our programs and the, and the quality of our faculty. Last question. I mean, you are San Francisco State, I think as everybody listening to this knows, is part of the CSU system. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that's interesting, talking to you about some of these ideas, these are not necessarily new ideas. I mean, you do have the problem of housing, which is worse in San Francisco, but other campuses probably have similar related issues. But uh, you are able to draw on ideas or things that appear to have worked elsewhere. Is, is that important to you? I mean, is that helpful? Yes, I think the Graduation 2025 initiative is a, a model for university systems across the country. 23 campuses working together to improve their individual outcomes, but with a sense of meeting a collective goal that transforms the state or better supports the state. So I, I think it's, it's critical that we've, we've worked together. There are best practices on every campus. One campus has spectacular advising, another has wonderful tutoring, another has great housing. And so the ability for us to learn together to meet a common goal for the state is energizing. Yeah, because, I mean, you and I guess all of us are, are part of a kind of common enterprise here in California trying to educate an extremely diverse society, lots of people who have never been to yeah. camp, uh, their families have never been to. So to what extent do you feel this you're part of a, this really very important and collective endeavor. Yeah, I, I love the CSU. I, I, I arrived here uh, just over 11 years ago from another state system and quickly realized that this is the most important state university system in the, in the country. And I occasionally have been known to say the world because we do two things. We provide access, we provide a world, well, three things, access, a world-class uh, education, and then increasingly we've taken attainment to heart. And we're producing ever larger numbers of graduates. Since Tim White became chancellor, he's admitted he, he, approximately 35,000 more students to all 23 CSUs. If you take that number and then multiply it by the gain in graduation rates since he arrived, we're talking dozens of thousands of degrees that are out transforming the state that wouldn't have been a few years earlier. It's remarkable. That was Lynn Mahoney, the new president of San Francisco State University. And that wraps it up for this week's podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Our music is from Nate Schwartz Jazz Orchestra and its source's own Justin Allen. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and please uh, add a review if you like what you hear. 
I'm Lewis Friedberg. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.